Chapter 15 of Travel Stories Retold from St. Nicholas by Various. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Chapter 15 The Giant and the Genie by George Frederick Stratton. Far up on the slopes of Mount Rainier in Washington is a waterfall which, according to the legend, was inhabited by a giant of enormous strength, Manukasan by name from out of the east there came a genie possessed of such courage and audacity that when he was warned against the terrible powers of manukasan he laughed lustily and said that he would call forth the surly giant and make him do his bidding summoning his afrits he gave them orders and they immediately surrounded the falls some of them peering through strange instruments and making mysterious signs with their hands while others measured distances and drove stakes, bearing weird symbols into the river banks. Then the genie stood on the bank overlooking the falls and shouted, Ho, Afrits, dig me here a deep hole! And immediately they went to work with great activity. When they had dug down a hundred feet, the genie commanded them to tunnel under the falls. We will unearth this giant and prove his strength, he cried defiantly so they dug a tunnel until they reached a great mass of rock underneath the brink of the falls and here they hewed out a huge cavern and carried into it strange machines and many wheels fastening them all strongly and they hung wires from those machines stringing them a long distance through dense woods and across ghostly ravines to where many men lived and worked when all was ready the genie grasped a great lever and shouted Ho, oh, Manukasan, come forth now and get busy. Then he pressed down the lever, and instantly the spirit sprang out of the falls, and leaping upon a wire rushed along it with such swiftness that no one could see him. The next moment he was many miles away, performing marvelous feats of strength, pushing great streetcars at incredible speed, turning the wheels in mills and factories, and lighting stores and dwellings in fact he did whatever the genie ordered him to do without an instant's delay or any demur all over these big resourceful united states manukasan is found but the modern captains of industry call him electricity the genie also are with us graduates of technical colleges or of engineering departments of great factories who donning khaki clothes and high-laced leather boots camp out in the wild mountain fastnesses or on the weird deserts or in the dense forests and invoke the giants they meet everywhere in this wonderful country but it is the western mountain regions which chiefly hold the romance the tragedy and the gigantic power of the mythical old giant all up and down the rockies and the sierras and in the network of stupendous mountains which cross the five or six hundred miles between are mountain torrents tearing down from summits perhaps two or three thousand feet high to the valleys below some of them are very small in appearance but possessed of tremendous force let us trace one of these and discover the giant we hike or ride a sure-footed horse six miles up one of the sombre gashes in the mountains called canyons arriving at the origin of a stream we have seen growing smaller as we ascended we find a little spring gushing from beneath a huge boulder and trickling down through the ferns and brush soon it is joined by other little streams on the right or left 
presently as we stumble along down the rocky trail we see on one side a wide deep gulch with walls of sandstone or granite rising almost perpendicularly on either side and that gulch has snow lying on it perhaps forty feet deep the drifts of last winter or slides from the slopes above it the snow may then have been sixty or a hundred feet deep but now in midsummer it is dwindling fast and its water doubles or triples the size of our little stream suddenly we see that the wild rocky torrent bed has been cleaned out and that the banks are lined up with rock the genie has been giving orders a few rods farther that torrent bed gives place to a timber flume and the next moment that flume instead of keeping on the sharply sloping floor of the canyon rises on trestles holding an almost level position the trestle increases in height as the ground beneath them slopes downward and cross a deep gulch still holding the little torrent running between the wooden walls of the flume from our trail beneath we see the flume now skirting round the waist of some stupendous mountain then crossing other gulches and soon appearing on the summit of a peak eight hundred feet above where we are standing below at the foot of that peak is a small plain stone building and wriggling down from the summit is apparently a huge black snake poking its nose into the basement of that house the house holds the generators for turning the force of that torrent into electricity the snake is the penstock a great black steel pipe twisting and turning to avoid the huge boulders in its path as it conducts that water from the summit into the turbines in the house the turbine is an enclosed water wheel in which every particle of force in the rushing water is used to turn a great steel shaft on the other end of that shaft is geared the generator the wonderful machine with wire-wound arms which makes the electric current at this particular powerhouse the little torrent which reaches the summit in a flume thirty inches wide and two feet deep turns out eight hundred horsepower it is the force not the size of the stream which gives that power for water has a pressure of about fifty pounds per square inch for every hundred feet of the height of its source so this water has a pressure at the turbine of four hundred pounds per square inch a far greater pressure than that in the cylinders of a great mogul mountain locomotive the little stream freed from the turbines whirls furiously down a small basin and rollicks off on a wild headlong dash through an open sluiceway for a short distance then another flume arrests it and as we hike along down the trail that flume rises above us straddling gulches on high trestles and at two points tunneling through a great mountain we get back to the mouth of the canyon and there see on the level we have then reached another powerhouse larger than the first behind it is another huge bare mountain of rock and coming down that another gigantic black snake also poking its head into the powerhouse this snake or penstock is sixteen hundred feet long and the same stream which developed eight hundred horsepower at the upper house is now with the addition of a little water picked up on the way reeling off twenty six hundred horsepower at this house 
this imprisoned raging torrent is now released and flows in a subdued gentle stream down a natural stream bed it is less than eight feet wide and not deep enough to wet our horses knees as we ford across but we gaze upon it with the awe and amazement it deserves when we remember that but a few moments before it has sent its great power over eleven miles of wire to a small town is operating several factories and will at night light all the streets and the houses and that is only half its work before us is a great stretch of orchards and fields vividly green although they have not had one drop of water from the heavens for three or four months all their health and vigor and wonderful productivity is due to that little stream which irrigates over three thousand acres of the land within twenty miles of where this is written at the foot of the great wasatch mountains in utah are five such canyons with powerhouses two of them with two houses in each canyon all over this mountain country from the middle of utah to the canadian line are hundreds of such mountain torrents only a small proportion of which are yet harnessed for work some of them are very much larger than the one we have visited come with me to one of these larger houses it is in a canyon of awful sublimity so deep and so nearly unapproachable that the construction teams had to haul over eight miles of zigzag trail to make the descent of less than half a mile to the torrent we scrambled down over the rocks and brush and although the roar of the water reaches us for ten or fifteen minutes before we see it we are by no means prepared for the astounding scene when it at last comes into view out from the depths of the great ugly building belch forth four gleaming horizontal columns of water big as barrels with a force speed and roar as though the discharge were from giant cannon straight across the tail race they gleam and quiver for a hundred feet impinging upon a solid ledge of granite in which they have worn huge caverns the spray dashes up the face of the ledge for sixty or seventy feet up and down the stream swirling and writhing in a thousand rushing crowding whirlpools the water just freed from its maddening confinement is seeking to make good its escape but it is jammed back into the upper race and for fifty yards you will see it hanging ledge upon ledge fighting snarling surging and struggling for its chance to slip beneath those terrific outlet volleys and gain the lower stream and liberty and peace the mighty niagara has no such background of wild beauty nor does it ever convey such an instant impression of water force once i saw a big two-inch plank dropped into one of those furious water columns it seemed scarcely to touch the water but flew faster than the eye could follow over to the granite ledge and was instantly smashed into ten thousand splinters and i knew that even before the plank had reached the ledge the mighty power which hurled it transmuted into electricity had already reached and was operating street cars in a city seventy miles away come into the powerhouse look at the four gigantic generators whirling and humming like leviathan june bugs see the wicked sputtering little blue sparks from the commutators 
from the windows at the back of the building we look up a very sharp slope fifteen hundred feet high and see the penstocks twenty-four inch steel tubes black ungainly and at twilight very uncanny they follow in curves the profile of the rough ground bringing the furious rush of water from the summit down to the turbines in the lower basement turning out twenty six thousand horsepower the force of the water in these penstocks is terrific tests of a four-inch jet from one of them have been made a rifle bullet glances off as from chilled steel a jet from it no bigger than a pen holder will drill a hole in sheet steel in a few moments at the reservoir on the summit a fly line may be played in the water at the foot of the penstock no mortal could thrust a bayonet one inch into it a united states trooper once essayed in a wager to cut a two-inch jet with his sword a shattered weapon and a broken wrist resulted in the harnessing and curbing of these mountain streams the utmost engineering skill and ingenuity has been called into play often the powerhouse has to be situated miles back in such inaccessible wilds that the greatest difficulty has been encountered in carrying machinery and supplies to the spot at one point in the sierras men and material were transported across two yawning chasms by means of wire cables under which ran a freight carrier the feather river in california makes a big horseshoe bend twenty-five miles above oroville coming within three miles of itself again an enormous mountain intervenes but the engineers tunneled that and diverted the water into that tunnel in the lower end of that black rushing underground torrent are placed the great turbines and generators the most striking instance of the results of securing a big headway for a small stream is shown in san juan county colorado the animus river in its course between silverton and durango a distance of twenty miles has a gradual fall of about fifteen hundred feet although called a river it is but a mountain stream tumbling over little falls and through rock-strewn gullies at no point showing more power than would be sufficient to drive a very small grist-mill but the genius of science has so cunningly diverted it and concentrated its energy as to develop at last forty thousand horsepower a dam was built a few miles below silverton and the water turned into a flume which is only six by eight feet in size it will be seen that it must be a very small stream whose waters can be run through such a restricted channel across fearful canyons and around great mountains through tunnels and cuttings that flume carries the water for sixteen miles to the edge of a great cliff near durango the cliff is over one thousand feet high and the pipe runs over the edge and makes a perpendicular drop into the powerhouse below from the four-foot steel pipe nozzles five-eighths of an inch in diameter conduct the water into the turbines whirling them at a speed of four thousand revolutions per minute the speed of the jets of water shooting from those nozzles is twenty-five thousand feet or over four miles per minute note how the wizards of industry further concentrate and control the giant they have evoked 
that forty thousand horsepower making that mighty plunge over the cliff is met by magical machines and switched into a wire but little larger than a lead pencil forty feet of that unyielding steel flume which held the power is a load for a freight car forty feet of the wire which carries the power is but a small load for a six-year-old boy at one moment the power is in that roaring headlong terrific plunge the next it is miles away invisible noiseless and mysterious illuminating great arc lamps running heavy cars and to come from great to small whirling dainty fans or cooking an egg there are other marvelous power plants situated on rivers where although the force is far less than that of the mountain torrents the volume of water is far greater idaho shows the most remarkable of the developments of such water power and the astounding ingenuity and determination of the genie are shown as much as in the mountains the bear river which runs through idaho and utah carries a very large flow at an exceedingly rapid rate for a river at one point in idaho no less than six great powerhouses have been installed on that river producing a total of nearly two hundred thousand horsepower in order to secure good headway and the force which this gives two enormous pipelines have been built to take the water from upper reaches of the river and while holding that pipe almost to a level run it across country to a lower reach where a powerhouse is built thus increasing the headway from nothing to two or three hundred feet one of these lines is of eleven foot pipe nearly five miles long the other is a sixteen foot pipe half a mile long almost all of the current produced at these plants is transmitted by cable to salt lake city a hundred and thirty five miles away it has been said by expert engineers of electrical development that it will be but a short time before the intermountain region will use no coal that all smokestacks and chimneys will be abolished and electricity furnish all the power heat and light not only to cities and towns but to farming communities we are on the way there are some districts now where villages towns and farms all use electricity for power and for lighting and cooking this is notably so in rupert idaho the home of the famous electric high school described in st nicholas in september nineteen thirteen all through that town the lighting and cooking in even the humblest homes is by electricity the few small factories use no coal or steam power in the mountain region over one hundred cities towns and rural communities have electric wires in their houses all are lighted by them and very many have thrown out coal ranges and cook by electricity the region is one of mines everywhere some of them the largest in the world and nearly all of them have discarded their gigantic steam hoisting and pumping engines for electric motors there is it is asserted more than enough water power running to waste to do every particle of work now done by steam horses and men and women in the region from impelling the enormous sixteen-wheeled mountain moguls to rocking the babies cradles by motor 
across the northern part of idaho and montana over a wicked country of mountains and canyons the western division of the chicago milwaukee and st paul railroad runs all its trains by electricity as you have read in your last month's number of st nicholas while farther south across utah and colorado the denver and rio grande railroad company completed its plans three years ago for the electrification of its road to denver but the scheme of the kaiser to lick the world in ninety days failing material became too costly to warrant the change from steam to electricity but the power is ready or could quickly be made ready every year the two great companies which have been formed by the consolidation of numerous small owners of power plants are building dams and reservoirs and flumes getting ready for the not far distant day when steam engines will have to be looked for in the museum of antiques and curiosities in salt lake city End of chapter fifteen